Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast where sharks eat like a lot of things. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Beach. Like a whole lot of things, like me. Whole lot of things they eat. Uh, today we are talking about kind of a bunch of stuff. Um, it's just, it's one of those weeks where we had so much weekly geekery building up and it's time to catch up on it. So that's what we're going to do. It's uh, one of those weeks where I can't talk a lot either, which is going to be uh, be really nice for uh, people who don't want to hear my voice because I popped a disc out of my jaw joint and have to shut up. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting week. Let's see how this works. Yeah, so I have a lot of geekery. I should say that like my geekery has been building up, so I can talk at you a bunch and you can ask me questions. Um, okay. And then I know you have a couple things, but I'm not going to make you talk yeah. much because we got to take care of you. Um, so... Before we get into kind of all the normal stuff, I wanted to say that like one of my geekery things from lately is that uh, I redid part of my treadmill setup in the basement, and I've I've been really good about walking like basically every day since the beginning of the year. Not absolutely every day, but like at least six days a week, and most of the time it's seven days a week. Um, but I was getting fed up with when I did want to watch like TV or a movie or something like that, having to do it on my phone. And so I yeah. finally like got a TV and we mounted it downstairs and that has been awesome so that was just something that i wanted to do as like a quick hit right at the beginning here is that like i have a slightly new exercise setup and i'm loving it so we got a, a roku tv and you can cast the audio to your phone which is really cool um whereas hmm. you, you used to be able to like the roku remotes would have a, a headphone jack and you could just do you know like a headphone connection into it um oh yeah yeah so they don't do that anymore they have a roku app that's dedicated to like being a remote but then it also will cast to any headphones that are connected to your phone so okay it does it over your local wi-fi um but it's the same idea so that's been really great for being on the treadmill and like listening to the tv that's like two feet in front of me but through my phone over my wi-fi which is kind of a weird setup but once i understood it i, I love it and it's working great yeah, I mean, I've never done anything like that. The way that we always did it was having a tablet like that. We just sat on the treadmill and then had the headphones attached to it, like the iPhone or the Kindle or the iPad or the Kindle Fire or something like that. So it wasn't like we had uh, because our treadmill has like a shelf on the on the monitor, I guess, just right in front of all of the stats. So same kind of thing, but it really helps. Like that's uh, crazy uh, useful to be able to have something that you can listen to and uh, not just stare at a wall. It's one of the things I hate treadmills for is just it gets so unbearably boring sometimes. Well, and I would I wouldn't not watch things. I would just watch them on my phone, which was really bad for my neck because i'm like looking down into like the treadmill where your water bottle is supposed to sit but i have my phone yeah. kind of like leveraged in there and that just it, it wasn't working and it was one of those things where i didn't want to buy a tv right away because i was like i don't know if i can stick with this i never have been able to stick with exercise for more than a few months and at this point right. i'm six months into the year and i've been exercising almost every day i'm like okay it's time to finally make this space what i want it to be yeah because otherwise you're like you you've proven to yourself that you can and yeah sitting down like sitting the phone or or anything down lower while you're walking is just is just asking for your neck to start hurting and getting everything out of line it's it's one of the reasons that we have the treadmill like moved from where we had it like we had to turn our head a little bit to the left to look at the tv with the way we had it and it was just it was starting to hurt us whenever we used it yeah and well one of the things that i also added was a switch dock so i'm not 
actively yeah. playing anything at the moment but now i have the ability to just like take the switch off of my main tv and just go dock it to the downstairs tv and play that while i work out so we'll see i'll have more on that later once i actually start using it yeah i want to know about how that goes because i used to play final fantasy 14 a bunch when i was on my fit desk at uh whenever i had it sitting in front of my computer so i'm curious on how the switch and the treadmill work yeah i remember that i totally forgot but yeah you used to do that a bunch um a bunch so but outside of the treadmill thing we both have a bunch of games to talk about which is pretty cool but i wanted you to go first and then you can kind of scale based on how much you feel like you can talk at the moment but you've been doing a lot of jrpgs it looks like right yeah i've been trying a bunch of stuff trying to figure out what would fit um Fantasy Star Online 2 is an MMO. It just came out for PC this week. And it was released early on the... Well, I I say early based on the PC release, but a few months ago on the Xbox One. Did you ever try it then? Uh, No, I played one of the Fantasy Star Online games, but I think the only one I've ever actually like put any time into was on, I want to say, Dreamcast. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. The original, I think, was on Dreamcast. Yeah, that must have been uh, it. Because I can't remember the, uh, the the systems it was on. Uh, but I know I wanted to play it back then, and I never got to. So when this one was announced that it was coming out over here, I was all about it. And it's a really fun game. Like, we have been talking about it in Discord a bunch. The geek to geek Discord has a... They, uh, I think it was Gein who asked for a Fantasy Star Online 2 uh, channel, and it has been uh, very good to have on there because we've been talking a lot about it. Um, I set up an alliance called geek to geek that we're still even trying to figure out how to get into. <laughs> like, it's weird, but uh, like I don't think it's joinable. I think you have to be invited, even though you can search for the... You can search for the alliance through the mechanics of the game and so it's really weird uh but if you want to join and you're playing on ship one uh let me know my player id is professor beach my character is beach and there's an alliance that's just called geek to geek so uh, we'll be able to try to get you in and play together uh but yeah that's it's very interesting it's very 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 action based like i don't know how the first one was but compared to other like MMOs that I've played, this one is by far the closest to like an action game that you're going through. And I'm playing it with a gamepad, which surprised me that how well it worked. That it it's really, really good with a gamepad. I don't actually mind sitting at my computer right now to play it. Cool. Yeah, I have a bunch of other friends playing it too, and everyone seems to be enjoying it. I just I don't know. I just I haven't gotten around to it. I understand that. Like, it's one of the only reason that I really jumped at it was because I've been looking specifically forward to the release uh, because of how much I have always regretted missing the first one. Like, I was uh, I was sad I never even got to experience it. So I was like marking my calendar for this one for whenever it was coming out. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so that kind of has me in a sci-fi mood. So I downloaded, I downloaded Star Ocean First Departure R on the Switch, uh, which is a remake of the. Okay, so it's a remake of the PSP game that was a remake of the original Star Ocean on Super Nintendo. Oh wow! And so, well, this is a remaster, I guess, of the PSP game, and it is really really good like i remember playing the original star ocean back in like when i was a teenager when it was only available as an emulator rom with a fan translation and i never got tear i mean i got far into it but basically you remember when emulators like would get to a point in a video game and you had to like 
finagle them a lot to be able to get them to like do layers of transparency so you could even walk or battle sometimes did you ever do enough that's how this one was like it was it was like i just got to a roadblock that i couldn't get through and so i'm really glad to have it now because i don't remember almost anything about it but the game is unbelievably fun like it's one of the most fun jrpgs i've played in a long time it has almost tales like combat uh but but different but at the same time it has such unbelievable difficulty spikes that are just unexpected like you're just going around and it's like oh i'm killing everything really well i've leveled up good i've i've made uh my armor i've i've bought the best armor i can and then all of a sudden you go to the next area and things kill you in one hit. Like Ooh, it's one it, of those games. It's that way. Yeah, it's it it's it's one of those where you have no idea when these spikes are coming. And the la- there are a few dungeons like that where it's like you go in and you just get slaughtered and I'm on the final boss. I have no chance of beating him where I am. So I'm going to have to go out of the final dungeon, uh, level up for a while and go back in and go back all the way back through the final dungeon to beat him. So I'm a little frustrated at it and I have not done that yet. So, uh, but the game is beautiful, like pre-rendered backgrounds, these really nice sprites. Like I love it and I can't recommend it enough. It's just got some dumb spikes in it. And then that also got me wanting to play uh, Xenoblade Chronicles that the, uh, the definitive edition came out on switch this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and Austin is up from Florida uh, because of uh, a family thing. And so he, was he had to come up uh you know it was an emergency and so he had to leave and fly out uh the day that his was delivered so uh his aunt and uncle have got his copy of who are watching their kids are watch are sitting on his xenoblade uh copy so he's been playing the one that came in for me and so i've been watching him play a lot of it uh, because i've already played the 3ds game and it is really 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 pretty like they really made the entire game in the xenoblade 2 engine like this isn't just a remaster of everything like they actually did a scene by scene remake in the uh, xenoblade chronicles 2 engine it's very 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 pretty all the way through and i'd always forgotten how much uh, i love this game now that uh, i got through that initial like i quit it because of the combat uh, like years ago once i got through that like i love this game and luckily watching him when i started it for myself i could just you can actually skip the cutscenes in this one. Oh, cool uh, you can't skip like individual pieces of dialogue when people are speaking in the cutscenes. Like I know that was a big issue for you uh, when you were playing two. It's like you read the subtitles, but you can't skip through them actually talking it yeah. and going to the next like little little split. That's a deal uh, breaker st- for me. You still can't do that, but you can skip the entire scene. Um, so it's uh, one for me where like I've watched him play probably four or five hours of it and you know it's a xeno game so there's a lot of cutscenes, so i can just skip them for myself like i don't have to sit through them again and so that's actually been pretty interesting to to go back and play and uh, do it that way and just kind of like get to the good stuff a little faster nice well yeah you've always liked those games so i'm glad that that one is living up to uh expectations 
and I finally did start. It is, it is, and I'm really, really glad. Like while he's been playing it, I actually hooked up the uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U. I ordered uh, the collector's edition because it has a steel book in it. And the Wii U gamepad is nowhere near as nice as I remember it being. No, it's hard to go back after the Switch. It is. The Switch has actually spoiled me. Like, I don't know if the if you're new to listening to the podcast or you just don't remember, when the Switch came out, there were none available for me. So I wanted to play Breath of the Wild so much that I went to GameStop and bought a Wii U. And I bought a copy of Breath of the Wild for the Wii U that was... Uh, you know, really simultaneously. And I pretty much played Breath of the Wild on the gamepad, and it was great. Like, I enjoyed it. I loved every bit of it. I played it on the TV as I needed to. I swapped down to the gamepad whenever Jennifer was watching TV. It was wonderful. And now that I've had the Switch and the Switch Lite, um, it is not nearly as nice. I like it still, but you can barely read anything in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Like, the resolution on the screen worked fine for Zelda, but for uh, Xenoblade, no. No, it's almost unplayable on the on the gamepad by itself. Wow. It's, it's very hard to play, uh, but it's very good. Like, the soundtrack's really good, much more sci-fi than the others. It's more sci-fi than fantasy like the others. And uh, the graphics on the TV, like, when you actually hook it up to the TV, though, they are beautiful. Like, they are insanely good for a Wii U game. In a lot of ways, I honestly think that this game is prettier graphics-wise and more advanced graphic-wise than either of the ones on the Switch uh, because of just the style that they use and uh, like it is unbelievably beautiful and it makes me sad it's not on switch because it would be a very good addition and they've already said no that it's not going to be on there well i mean if they get the right incentives if people buy the other xenoblade games enough you never know that's what i'm kind of hoping is that uh, even though they said it wasn't going to be financially worth it to pour it over i'm hoping that since xenoblade x or xenoblade chronicles uh de has done so well so far and is going to continue to do well that we might get it anyway uh that they'll that people will be clamoring for it and then the only other thing i've really been doing is playing dragon quest 4 again uh with Austin and me talking so much uh, about different things and uh, we were talking about some different things uh, the other day just on text before he came up uh, I pushed through and he, he convinced me that I needed to to play through more of the beginning. I'd played seven hours of it and stopped because the beginning of Dragon Quest Four on the DS is so slow. But I kept pushing through. I beat that part. I got into Chapter 5, and it is so much better after that. Like, he's right, but it's one of those games, like, you have to put in, like, eight... And a lot of people aren't like this. I'm apparently one of the minorities who feel like this about Dragon Quest Four, but the first seven to nine hours of it were not terribly fun for me. The rest of the game is a very good Dragon Quest game so far. It's actually kept me really wanting to play it. But putting that much stuff up front that's just like constantly having to restart with new characters uh, as you're like getting separate chapters for different party members, but you always start back at level one and having to grind up to do stuff every single time. It got really old and I did not like it, but if you can power through that, it's a really, really, really good game. And so I'm glad to be back into a finding a DQ game that I really, really like again. That's a lot of hours. That's more than like a persona game intro. 
Yeah, it is. Like it's I'd stopped playing. It's not that I'd stopped it forever, obviously, but I just didn't care enough about the rest of it to really power through. And then when Austin and I were talking like yeah, it was last week. He he was like you're under an hour from where the game actually gets good and you start playing and you start like putting together your party and playing the real part of the game. He was like power through this and I promise it gets better. And I did. Like I decided that I was going to do that and it did get better. Like it it really got better, but yeah, that uh other people enjoy those chapters. I don't know what it is about my personality that made it where I just hated them. But uh once I got him to get, once I got through it, it's really neat. Like I think the game's going to be really, really fun for like the next twenty hours or so. But the, the, that initial part, it's just, yeah, it's 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 worse than getting through a Persona intro for me. Well, at least you got over the hurdle, which is probably a good thing mm-hmm. since you have a Dragon Quest podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know, and that's one of the things that we were talking about. I was like, I feel bad because we have uh, we have a lot of listeners. And I'm, I love this series. Like, and I know so much about it now. And it's like, I want to play four because I know so much about it. I know how good it's supposed to get. But those initial like seven to nine hours are just so bad for me. Like, and there's, like I said, there's a lot of people who love it. I don't want to say that they're bad because Austin loved them. I know that there are a lot of people who look at four as one of the best JRPGs ever made. And it's just one of those where it's like, I know that this series has this in it because I do this podcast, but I did. So I'm actually powering through it. I got through it and, uh, I'm, I'm having a really, really good time on that one. So I'm, I'm glad about it. So so yeah, maybe more more Dragon Quest Four content on Dragon Quest FM soon. <laughs> yeah, cross promote. Got to cross promote. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool. I this week, not even this week. It's just like over the last few weeks, a lot of games have built up for me. But the one I want to talk about first and most right. is Man Eater because yeah, it is. I love this game. Like it is a shark open world RPG, and I have platinumed this game. Like I, I don't even know where to begin you are a shark and you get to eat things and it's great if you want to be a shark and eat things and like that's what the game is (laughs) and it it knows that that's the game that it's trying to be right Uh, sometimes you just run into a game that like it knows what it is and it's not trying to do more than that and that is this game this is not a triple a game this is not pushing the edge it's not doing anything that's brand new it's it's not like there's nothing in it that makes you go like, oh my God, everybody has to play this game. It's not that kind of game. It's what we never really get anymore is like that double A tier of developer. Like this mm-hmm. feels like a double A game through and through. It is a solid seven out of 10. This is my favorite seven out of 10 game that I've played in years and years and years because it just clicked with me. Right. And that's the cool part about those like double A games is that they aren't like the be all end all amazing everybody has to play them but if it's the right game for you it can be amazing and that's how i felt playing man eater i i okay so our last year you told me about this game coming out when they announced it at e3 and it sounds sounded amazing and so 
I am so glad that when it came out finally, that it was everything that you had hoped for when you and I were talking about it before, because I've been anxiously awaiting this game to come out for you specifically, and I cannot wait for it to drop in price so that I can love it. Because I looked the other night, Jennifer and I were watching it after you told me that you had platinumed it. And we were watching the trailer and we're like, this game looks fantastic. We're going to love this. How much is it? And we saw that it was $40 and we're like, this is a $20 game for us. was like, when this drops on sale, totally going to buy that game. I don't think we're going to like this game enough for $40, but 20, hundred percent. That's going to be, uh, be something we buy. Well, like it knows that it's a $40 game, right? Like it's not trying to be a $60 triple A game. It's right. But it it is what it looks like it is there's not a lot of depth behind that so you have to go into the game knowing that and i know i told you this so you're making your decisions right. based on it but just like for the listeners like it it isn't doing anything that you don't see at first glance right it's a game where you're a shark and you get to eat a bunch of stuff and you swim around and you eat ocean creatures and you jump up on land and you eat humans and you eat divers and you (laughs) fight against the hunters by eating them right like there's a lot of just eating things as a shark and that's the game right there are there are so many missions that are like eat 10 seals okay go to a different area eat 10 of this fish okay go to a different area eat 10 humans and if you don't want that if you don't want an open world like map game with just all these points on there to just go be a shark at all of these points and eat things don't buy this game because it's not a whole lot more than that but it was just it was exactly what i thought it would be and i loved every minute of it and it was great for like once i got the rhythm of the game i just like put in an audiobook or like a podcast and kind of zoned out and just played it until i platinumed it like i had enough fun that i platinum the game I got to the Platinum, and I was like, where's more? Like, I want more of this. I would buy a DLC immediately if it were available in that moment that I got a Platinum. And yeah, so it's, I don't want to say everybody should go get it, because you shouldn't, right? I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> it's like, it's feeding frenzy if it was turned into an open world RPG. It's it's a shark. You go around, you eat things, you level up. There are shark upgrades, which is fantastic. You can get some bone armor. You can get some bioelectric fins. You can get a poison tail and electricity teeth. All of these things are fun, <laughs> but they don't radically change the core gameplay either. Like, it's still the game that you were playing in hour one at hour 20 or 25 or whatever. Um, but it's fine. And I I don't know. I just, I love it for what it is, I think is what I'm getting at. So with it being a shark PG, like they, uh, like they had, like they advertised it as, and you know, you get, you get all of these, this is an open world RPG like this. It has, it has to have a a story through and through, right? There is a narrative that leads all the way through this instead of it just being like little hubs of eating things. There is, it's not the main thrust of the game. It's like a little extra that you kind of run into sometimes, but the story is like 10 episodes of, uh, basically like a reality TV show where there's a bunch of guys out hunting sharks and it's <laughs> it's in the vein of all of those reality TV shows that you've seen that have stereotypical people out on ships or boats or hunting animals or all of that. It just leans hard into all of that and goes pure satire with it. Um, and so it's kind of like documentary slash crab fisherman type of slash animal tamer slash that kind of thing. So that's what that's the framing of the game. But it's not the moment to moment of the game. 
that it just makes me happy that this exists and it makes me happy that it was good enough for you to platinum yes that that with us talking about it before and you not platinuming everything like it being something that you really have to truly love to platinum it that uh it it getting when you sent me that message i was like holy cow this is one of the best games he's played all year yeah so if you want an amazing seven out of ten double a game and i know what i'm saying when i say that right like if you want that but you get to be a shark and you get to eat things go get this game but know that you're signing up for a seven out of ten this is not a ten out of ten this is not triple a um as long as you go in with your expectations set correctly it's fantastic and y'all should realize that when we say a seven out of ten we solidly mean an average game that there are a lot of people who take a look at like metacritic scores and look at reviews from uh, different critics who if it's below a nine or an eight then it is a garbage game that they keep the scores inflated uh because of a hundred different reasons we aren't saying that like this is a solidly average game based on that score if you're not looking for that like this is i love the double a uh title that as you uh, that you're calling it because we've talked before about needing that that interim that that intermediary i guess between the triple a super millions of dollars blockbuster and the uh the small indie kind of solo projects that we can get and that we don't have anymore so i am I'm all about a 7 out of 10 AA game. Yeah, and there's all these little things, too. I'm not going to nitpick it to death because I could because it's not perfect. It's not the best thing ever, but there there's lots of little stuff. Like, here's an easy example is that there's no true lock-on in the game, and it mm. suffers for it. If they there's a button you can hit that'll like lock you or it'll like reorient you towards the nearest um, potential threat. And it kind of works most of the time, but if that button just let you actually lock on to an enemy underwater, it would do so much of the work of making this game even better and like just more polished, right? It's I gotcha. It, it's it's stuff like that. It doesn't ruin the game. It doesn't break the game. But there's tons of little things like that where it shows the scale of the game they were trying to make, right? They're trying to make a $40 game, not a $60 one. So yeah, um, just go in with your eyes open and it, it is what it is, but it's fantastic for what it's trying to be. Um, I'm so glad about that. So that was Maneater. Uh, I also played Crucible because I had to see what the deal was. And I feel like Amazon totally dropped the ball with marketing this because like nobody has heard of this game. Um, it is a it's kind of like if overwatch were mixed with a moba it really feels like battleborn to me which is not Mm. a good sign since that game fell flat on its face and then disappeared and got canceled and not canceled but it it, did yeah you know what i mean it died pretty fast so it's kind of like battleborn um it might be a little bit better it's it's different right and like the characters and the abilities they're kind of fun um but the messaging of the game and just like what am I even doing for the objectives and the victory and like all that? I just, I did never really clicked with me. And, you know, I played a handful of hours and I was like, I don't think I ever need to play this game again. And then I walked away from it. And it just seems like based on the usage statistics and like uh, based on Twitch and all the other places you can look to kind of see as a proxy, how is a free to play game doing? Uh, this one is not doing good. <laughs> like Amazon Mm-mm. made a game and nobody came to play it. And I just think that that's super interesting. And I had heard about this just because of being on video game Twitter, but I've seen 
nothing about it otherwise. I've not seen a single advertisement. I have not seen any kind. And we watch Amazon Prime uh, and Amazon Instant Video stuff. Like, we're always watching something that has Amazon uh, ads on it. Like, even our YouTube uh, app on TV usually does. I have seen nothing about Crucible uh, outside of just a few people who... Outside of just a few people who uh, have talked about it and, and played, and uh, like I've seen like Business Insider and things like that articles talking about it, like they just launched this uh, and it flopped like immediately. That uh, it's I would not suggest anyone uh, spending any money, or uh, I guess you can use Amazon coins to buy <laughs> to play in like you can other like Kindle games. I don't suggest anyone pay for it because i don't expect this one to last very long no i wouldn't do that um but i did play minecraft dungeons this last week and that was really fun um another game is it yeah like another game that knows what it's trying to be right it's not supposed to be a hardcore game um it's very much like kids first diablo right it's like a hack and slash Uh, looting game it really is a loot game like you get a lot of loot and then you want to re-equip your character and it feels like diablo but for consoles and for kids with a minecraft skin on it and that's what the game is and so it's super fun with my kids um it's amazing at onboarding kids into this type of game my kids had never really seen this type of game in this structure before but they're loving it and then they have like some unique systems with upgrading your gear like called enchanting so when you get levels you get enchantment points and then you can you get like a random roll of unique enchants on your gear and then you can like pick which ones to put them into um and then Mm whenever you're done with a weapon you can scrap it and you get all those points back so you never lose them you just temporarily invest them into different gear which is really okay. cool and so minecraft dungeons it's one that i don't have much to say beyond that except that it, it's fun for what it is right i downloaded it today on game pass i was uh i actually didn't realize it was on game pass even though i should have because it's a microsoft property uh i had an update to my uh xbox app on my computer and so it the top thing that it showed was minecraft dungeons and i was like you know what i need to try this i've heard exactly what you said about it like i uh i think it was belgast who said that that's what it felt like and i was like yeah I'll give that a shot. I'm not going to stick with it, but it looks like it's pretty. And I am going to exact do exactly that. I'm going to load it up. I'm going to smash a few things and blow up some blocks, and then I'll be satisfied. But I want to try it because it looks like a simple and fun smashy smashy game. Yeah, and it is. It's it's that. Uh, I would suggest if you grabbed it on PC, uh, try it with a controller because I don't Absolutely. think it's, yeah, I don't think it's made for keyboard mouse. You can probably do it, yep. but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, yeah, that's that's actually. I'm speaking of the gamepad. Uh, like Fantasy Star Online has made me like the gamepad in an MMO area type game so much that I'm next time I get onto Final Fantasy 14, I'm remapping all of my stuff and going to really dig in and learn how to play that. game game with a controller because it has been a better experience for me than any final fantasy 14 lately has wow that's dedication um yeah i know right yeah so minecraft dungeons is fun and that's kind of it for like video games for me but i've been watching a couple things too and reading some stuff 
that I wanted to hit on for Geekery. Um, so before we dive into that, don't forget, you can support the podcast. You can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast And we're part of a network. You guys can get all sorts of podcasts like Geektitude, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. You can't stop me loving K-pop. We have things like Dragon Quest FM that BJ is on. And sometimes Rob, which is a podcast that happens sometimes. Or Disney Forever, where Katie and I talk about a different Disney movie every week. All those kind of podcasts. We also have streamers like Troidal and Capsule J. We have the Geekery blog with Austin and 13th Story and Data Error, and we're actually always kind of adding new people there. So all of that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe and get it sent right to you. And with that, we're back to my geekery. It's a lot of me this week. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. But <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, so uh, Picard. I want to talk about Picard because right. it's, it's weird. So it's finally I think you and I fell on Picard in about the same place. Yeah. And it really um it, it validates the way that Jennifer and I feel about Picard that you felt the same way because we kind of felt like either we were that we liked it. Let me let me let me put that out front like we liked it, but there was so much about it that we uh that we didn't like or couldn't latch onto that we felt like we were missing something or just not giving it enough of us to uh, really like. So, I'm glad you kind of felt the same way based on some of the other stuff you and I had talked about. Yeah, it's not that I didn't like it. It's I think it's what it's, what you said that you couldn't latch onto it. There was something that was not the way I think about it is that it didn't grab me and pull me through it, right? Whereas normally when I see something that's high quality, and I should step back here for a second and say, this is finally, truly a modern Star Trek. It's really high quality. You can tell that this show has like, it, it's just the quality is really good in this, right? It makes Discovery yeah. look amateur in comparison to Picard. And it's this modern format. It's grounded in the Star Trek lore and the world building. Um, it does have some of those common like streaming show problems of going like dark and gory just because they can, not because the story mm-hmm. actually needs it. But that's a very common criticism for the first time that certain production companies get into that mode. Um, and I want more Star Trek like this in this mold with this style of storytelling. I would like an actual Starfleet show instead of this, which is kind of like this model crew that never really is Starfleet. Um, you know, if you apply this storytelling and this style to that, I think it would be be good especially if you made it more family friendly so i could sit down and watch it with my kids but right all of that being said and the fact that i know it's good like objectively i'm like yeah this is a good star trek there was something about picard that the show just would not pull me through it i would finish an episode and i would just feel no compulsion to watch the next one I'd be like, exactly. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I finished that for the night. And it's like, even if they were trying to do a cliffhanger, even if it was a big, like, information reveal or something, I would finish it and I would be totally fine being done with it. Like, every single episode, I felt that way. Yeah, this episode that we stopped on, there was a character reveal at the very end of it. It's like, oh my goodness, how are they there? And then we just never watched any more of it ever. And it's like, the weird thing is, I want to know why they're there. I want to see how all of this ties together. And it's not as though we stopped because we just didn't want to see anymore we stopped because we were doing other things and never cared enough to go back to it and kind of forgot about it that one night we were watching on amazon because we uh, subscribed to cbs all access through amazon prime or through amazon video and it was like oh yeah we need to finish picard sometime and then we went and watched whatever we were going to watch on amazon yeah 
yeah, no, that's how I felt too. I was like, yeah, you know, it's I'll watch an episode here or there, or I would watch half an episode and stop and then come back to it in like a week or two. Like it just it wasn't compelling enough to keep me watching, even though I liked it and it was good. So it's strange. Um, right. But it sounds like we both landed in the same spot with that one. My biggest criticism with Picard isn't uh, isn't necessarily show structure wise. It was that they get you attached to characters early on. And then at least from where I am in the story, like you never see them again. And like they act like these are going to be major side characters. And it's like, oh, yeah, we really like watching them. And then after that, they just aren't there anymore. And it's like, but and introduce new characters who I'm supposed to care about. But they've taken away the ones that I actually care about. And I think that was something for us that was like, but but them, I want them, not not this person. I want them. And we don't have them. I will say the last two episodes of the first season feel like a really good Star Trek episode. And I want more of that. Like, but gotcha. there's this long lead up that, yeah, just wasn't as as compelling. Um, the other thing I was watching was, and it's still coming out every week, but Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian. Have you watched any mm, of these? Not yet. This is one that's okay. on mine and Jennifer's list to watch and just haven't uh, haven't done it yet. But I cannot wait to see it because I've heard such good things. Okay, so I'm going to wait to talk about it until you watch it because I'd love to talk about this with you. But I will say gotcha. that it's really good. I really enjoy it. I look forward to watching it every week as it comes out. And um, so far, like the episodes have been about there's one about directors, one about the legacy of Star Wars, one about the cast, one about the technology, including the volume, which the volume is amazing. It's so cool. And then the latest one was about practical effects. So it's a really, really well done behind the scenes. And I love every episode. So when you watch it, we'll come back around and talk about this one again. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to see that one and to talk about it. And uh, did speaking of the Mandalorian, like I saw, and I don't remember if it was, I don't remember if it was on a Star Wars like rumor site or if it was something official that I'd seen. Like I really don't remember, but they were looking for a young man of Asian descent to or Pacific Islander descent to uh, play Ezra in uh, Mandalorian or another live action thing like they were looking for an actor for him and so i was pretty excited i think it was a rumor site but it made me like they saw the casting for that and it was like oh that's gonna be neat because they've cast ahsoka yeah we'll see if it's in the mandalorian or if it's in something else yeah but i'm i'm interested to see because when i did the star wars races in uh 2018 i actually stopped and got my picture taken with sabine and ezra and uh they had the the face characters like that as i was running by and they did not look good like they i almost didn't stop but there was literally no line so i was like yeah why not but they do not look like ezra and sabine at all and so uh i'm hesitant on uh them casting someone to play ezra in real life after seeing that dude (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they make that transition. Um, But hopefully, hey, more Star Wars, right, is a good thing. Yep, Uh, that's the way I feel. Yeah, I have a board game that I tried this last week called, or in the last couple weeks, called Cristallo. And it's a single-player 
puzzle card game and i don't know Mm. how i feel about it yet but i've played it a bunch of times you you take out like one card at a time they're just standard like playing card sizes and they have um, spots for like there's like six spots on it where a thing could be and they're either like orbs or crystals and so what you do is you like pull it pull out a card and then you have to line up the crystals and your goal is to like um create a square with like three crystals and one orb and if you do then you get like a gem that you get to put on the orb and so your whole goal is to like light up enough of these orbs that you pull them off of these other cards where you're just keeping track of it and if you do that you like win the game so it's really just like a puzzle game to challenge yourself and it's been kind of interesting as this like fun quiet single player game where you can put a ton of concentration into it or you can kind of just make decisions in like instinctually and see how it goes this game scales to your mood i don't know if i love it but it's interesting so i wanted to mention it as we're playing geekery catch-up and it's always so weird for me to think about single player card games because it's not something i have any experience with and that's such a social part of the the experience of tabletop gaming for me that sitting down for a uh, puzzle card game like that is uh, just really alien to me to do that so i'm i'm curious about it on how you how you end up uh, feeling about it over time yeah, and I've actually played it multiplayer a couple times with my kids. We're like, we'll draw a card and we'll look at it together. And then we'll like talk about, well, what if we put it here? What if we put it over here? Um, yeah. So you can kind of modify it for whatever. But I've played it single and I've played it with two people. So it, it's it been fun both ways. I just, I don't know what I think about it yet, but I do want to keep playing it. So that's something going for it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that is like, there's a lot of stuff where uh, you know what you like within 30 seconds and leave it like, well, I can't remember how long it was that you've played some of the games that you used to game fly, but uh, like minutes sometimes i think one of them was seconds yeah and uh it was uh just like at least this one is keeping you come back for something so there's some nugget of uh of quality there it is for sure um and then last thing in my geekery before we wrap up is i read probably one of my favorite books of the year if not the last couple years i really really like this book it's called scythe did I tell you about it yet? I can't remember. You if didn't tell me about it. No, you didn't tell me about it. You uh, have mentioned it to me, but title only. So I don't know how to describe the premise well. I'm going to describe it and you might have to ask me follow ups because I don't feel like I can do it justice. But basically, there's this post scarcity world. It's Earth in the future, right? So it's a future Earth. I'm already bad at this. Um, and <laughs> there's an AI called the Thunderhead. And the Thunderhead is basically the evolution of our current cloud computing, right? So the Thunderhead um, is an AI that grew out of humanity's cloud computing. And it is like it's a being that is actually a being, right? It's like doesn't need humans to do anything. And so it has figured out everything that humanity needs. And it has shaped the world and humans and society in a way that like all of our needs are met. Nobody wants for anything. Um and it has restructured society, but in a good way for the most part. The okay. one thing that they never wanted to give um, the Thunderhead control over was death because it, it's not alive in the way that people are. So death became the the like sole property of this group of humans that are in charge of it, and they're called Sides. And it's because humans no longer die. Like... Okay, that's what I was about to ask. Like, how, in what capacity is that? Yeah, so, like, if you are just there, like, if you grow old, you can just, like, 
re-age yourself down to whatever age you want and you can just keep doing that over and over or if you were in a situation that would get us killed right now the thunderhead just picks you up and takes you to a revival center and then it will like revive you from essentially being dead like they call it being deadish because you're not actually Hmm. dying um and so because of that the humans don't have any death in society and then they realize that that's bad because like it just doesn't work like for nature and also population growth and stuff like that. So they make the scythe dumb and the scythe dumb is made up of all of these sides. And the sides are the only people in the world that can like dole out death. And the sides all approach their job like very differently. Like they have a quota of how many people that they have to kill. And some of them have like the utmost respect for life and people. And some of them have like a blatant disregard for it. And It's this fascinating look at, like, life and death when it's controlled by humans who are supposed to be, like, impartial and good, but they aren't always. I Hmm. think that's how I would describe the premise, and I already feel like I did a bad job. But this is probably one of my favorite books in years. Well, the best books, in my opinion, are the ones that you can't really describe. They're the ones that are so high concept that you really have to experience. That means that the authors are pushing ahead in some way that uh, that we have that they're doing something so new and interesting that we have no base to be able to describe it and it's just like you have to go experience this like yes. like just do this and then come back and that's really what this sounds like where i have the the gist of what it could be about uh but it's it also sounds like something right now just given the the personal sphere that i'm in in my in my world that uh, i could not deal with this topic right now oh, totally. uh, with a lot of the stuff going on but it's such an interesting idea that there's a good chance that i will grab this once things uh, calm down in my personal life yeah and with everything going on in the world with like covid and riots and so many things happening in 2020 having a high concept book about death might not be your thing and i would not blame i'm not just talking to you i'm talking about like everybody who's listening like right. if you're not in the right headspace don't read this book but for <laughs> for me just like grappling with this and thinking through life and death in a new way because you're right it's new right i don't have anywhere to like shortcut this premise i can't give you an example or an equivalent or like this plus this or a twist on this because it's not it's something that's new and i love that about it which is probably why i like the book so much yeah the closest that i can even possibly think about on this one is the tv show dead like me did you ever see this uh, I think so. And it's nothing like that. Yeah, I mean, that's the closest that my brain is hitting is like, oh, these are a group of Grim Reapers that have to deal with the uh, emotional and ethical uh, ramifications of having to escort people uh and decide whether or not people die and it's like but it's not like that but that's the closest that my brain is uh like like being able to latch on to the whole concept yeah and the main point of view characters in the book are apprentices into this world so it gives you this really nice like outsiders onboarding ramp into it that's that's a good idea yeah i like it i that's probably going to be on my list for the end of the year for one of my top five non-video game things. So I'm going to have to find a better way to shortcut the description of that book. <laughs> Maybe we'll just have to read it another couple of times and really fully internalize it. Uh, yeah, that's probably it for this week. Um, we'll have more next week. We might actually do our mid-year episode. We're, we're in June now. We can do that anytime we feel like. Um, yeah. Yeah, but 
that's probably for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure you check out all of the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And you can listen to me talk about the Dragon Quest series of RPGs on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. You've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, guys.